Welcome to PageCast, a podcast series brought to you by Jonathan Bull Publishers, aimed to give you the story behind the story. By interviewing the authors responsible for some of your most loved books, we explore the thoughts, ideas, emotions, and creative processes that led to the writing of these books. If you're a reader with a zesty interest in people and stories, do stick around and enjoy what PageCast has to offer. How does one find words to describe the gut-wrenching, visceral trauma of COVID-19 ICU during the second wave? It was brutal. I returned to clinical practice after many years to work three to four days a week in a large private ICU with 21 beds. Beds that were constantly filled with terrified, breathless, hypoxic, lacking oxygen in the blood beings. Every minute of those long days was an assault on my senses. The smell of fear mixed with the sweet smell of diarrhea and the sweat of healthcare workers wrapped in plastic from head to toe. Relentless, high alert alarms, telephones, the sound of terrified people and of colleagues needing help. Not even death gave us time to catch our breath. Empty beds herald the frenzied arrival of new admissions. Cyanotic, blue-purple from lack of oxygen and kneeling as the bed is wheeled in. Is it prone, position, or prayer? Rivers of sweat run down my arms, my scrubs so damp they stink, I stink. I'm dehydrated and thirsty, but dare not remove my mask to take a sip of water. Even if I could, is anything in this space safe? And so it goes on, an extraordinary three-and-a-bit-page essay by Roseanne Turner, critical care nurse and nurse educator, one of the contributors to a book of nursing experiences compiled by Sidonie Kutsia Hesterklopper and Jonathan Jansen. And Sidonie, who is a professor of nursing at Northwest University, and Roseanne Turner, who, who wrote that. It's extraordinary writing, Roseanne. I mean, you know, apart from, I'm sure, being an excellent nurse, what, did you take a break from your career as a novelist to go back and do this? It helped to, it helped to write. It helped to make it real were you journaling and and diarizing yeah. as you were going through this this experience i started off with that idea but actually it lasted a few weeks and then stopped because it was kind of overwhelming reliving yeah, yeah. and suddenly the 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 objective of doing this i mean you've ended up with a book which which makes both scary and incredibly triumphant reading because of the efforts of of people like Roseanne, but what, what was the ultimate aim of the three of you getting together and soliciting these accounts and putting them, choosing some and putting them together? So, John, I think for us, we just wanted to have um, a way to capture the cost because um, we, I was not directly in practice, but to see my colleagues fighting on the front line and just seeing what they're going through every day was just to try and get some record of what is really happening on the front lines and, you know, also seeing that many had paid the ultimate, sac I mean, had the ultimate sacrifice. So I think that was the objective when we, Prof Klopp and I first spoke. And then it was with Prof Janssen having launched a book on learning under lockdown. And I thought, sure, just like scholars, nurses rarely get the opportunity to discuss what's happening on the front lines and what, it, what their voice to be heard in the media. Mm -hmm. Roseanne, why did you come back into, into practice? It was... It was because they, they needed people with your experience. It was as simple as that. 
Yes. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I came back in the second wave. Um, before that, in the first wave, I'd been doing contact tracing with Department of Health. And then I realized I, I, I had no choice, actually. I was hearing what was happening in the Eastern Cape, and I knew from George and what was approaching Cape Town. So, yes. But actually, it was a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I, I, I say stupid. I'm grateful for the experience. But I didn't realize just what I was stepping into. And what you stepped into was by a measure of 10, 50, 100, more distressing, more stressful, more worrying, more all sorts of things than anything in the time that you were a full-time clinical nurse? A zillion times more. It was, I, it feels, looking back at it now, it almost feels like a dark time. It feels like... Yeah, I, I, even as I'm talking to you, I'm tearing up. It it was awful. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and now I'm Just. tearing up as well. Because <laughs> there, there, there's something Just. there's something magical about the bravery that nurses and doctors and porters. You know, I mean, this book is about the nurses, and I don't mean to diminish yeah. what the nurses did, but they were part of a, a sort of medical front line that were so extraordinarily brave and so extraordinarily committed. And and evidence of that is a tear-inducing thing. Sorry. What's the matter with you? You're not crying. Sit in there. Um, you know, also the cleaners and the, the cleaners in our unit were fantastic. Answering phones, helping us prone patients, the cleaners. Without any nurse training at all or any care training stepped in, doctors doctors came to help us in the unit. That, Not the physicians and that, but anaesthetists came to help us draw up drugs, helped to help us tra- prone patients. Yeah, I and mean, a friend of mine who's an anaesthetist, well, she and her husband are both anaesthetists, volunteered for nursing-type duties because they said as anaesthetists there's no anaesthetic, no operations happening. So our medical expertise is not needed, so let's go and, and help out. Uh, did you, Sydney, ask for any particular type of story, or how did how did you get to the nurses? Because you had more submissions than you were able to put into the book. So, how did you go about assembling it? So, we just put a call out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and we just asked them could they explain their experience on serving on the front line. We didn't put any limit to it, so we thought really um, to write your own narrative and to just reflect on what you've been through is also a healing process. So. Um, we put out the call, and then we just had any any nurse um, of any category, anywhere, private, public, they could submit their stories. We had 75 stories, and what we did is we anonymized all of them, and then the three of authors went through it, and then we selected 28. And the, the 28 we chose was we didn't want to traumatize the reader, but we really wanted to give an idea of the, the cost to nursing and to celebrate nurses, but also to show how tough and you know, just the pride we have yeah. in nurses. I, the, the people who still believe, perhaps even more fervently than before, that COVID is just, you know, particularly uh, nasty seasonal flu. I mean, I, I, I read this book, I read the stories, and just listening to you now again, Rosanna, I wonder how, I wonder how that narrative that they hold, but then they wouldn't read this book because they would have a sense that, so, I mean, you can't. You can't read these stories. You cannot read about 
all of these people with five or ten or fifteen or twenty years practice talking about what a battlefield it was and I, and i'm and i'm using the word advisedly and not think that you know whatever you might think about decisions that various governments and various sort of overarching medical institutes took around things the ways to respond you can't take away from the fact that the patients and the people who had to treat the patients for 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 each of those two groups this was an utterly extraordinary and unprecedented event Either of you can respond to that, or you can both just nod your heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think for patients it was very very hard because there was no escape from themselves. When you're in ICU on a ventilator, there's there's no distraction from from your own stuff. <laughs> I think that was very hard. You can't really watch TV. You're struggling for breath. You can't really do anything but think. And and during that time, the number of and and it's referenced as well in in several of the stories from the nurses. During that time on the radio, the the number of stories that we heard from people whose brothers, husbands, fathers, grandfathers, children had died without them being able to be present in their last days because of the risk of infection and the added trauma that that burdened them with. That that also is, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's going to take a long time to reckon with the, the levels of trauma that people suffered as a result of this. John, I really think the book is also for those kind of people. Like, if you and all of us, every single one, I can't think someone hasn't lost someone mm. to COVID, is to read the book and realize what it was actually like. You know, when you try to phone, you couldn't get hold of a nurse, or when at one stage they'd say it's going well and next it doesn't, to really get some insight of why you got the responses you got. And do you. Are there any. Are there any silver clouds for the dark lining of the nurse experience? Because I'm, I'm reading a lot at the moment, um, articles in various journals and so on, about how the whole issue of nursing education needs to change. We have too few nurses. The, the barriers in getting people into the profession are bureaucratic and problematic and, and so on. And there's disputes between government and nursing councils and so on. Has has the experience of the medical profession, the experience of nursing through COVID, had a silver lining in the sense of reaffirming the status of the nurse, getting more people more interested in becoming nurses? Has it chased them away? I mean, what what at this stage might you see as the medium to long-term impact of what the nurses, like Roseanne and others, went through during particularly stage two. Um, there's a second wave, at least. So, John, I think we need to start, like, even at pre-COVID, we were talking about a six million deficit in, in the world. And now, post-COVID, we're looking at 30, 13 million shortfall by um, 2030. So I think what you need to realize is that while you're in a crisis situation, like if you're in a car accident, you are reacting out of the stress response you can think what has to happen next but after that accident that's when the trauma really hits you so i think this is where we are with nurses now and we're seeing a big exodus of nurses i really do think so because now that they're not not always by choice that they're not really now needed in the hospitals you're seeing this trauma set in by them 
And also there are many, we were just talking about in the car, many contract workers now after the COVID being let go from the hospitals and they don't have another job. So I think we do have a shortfall. It's just, I don't, it's such a big problem. I, I don't know how you begin to address it, but you'll have to start by looking at the salaries, actually making positions available to nurses and then to to recruit new students and to actually make it a, it is a noble profession, but give it the reward then that it deserves yeah. and the recognition. And Roseanne, final word from you. Um, it's It's now... It's now 18 months after your immersive experience that you described so incredibly powerfully in those three and a little bit pages. Um, how do you feel about that experience now? I mean, obviously, it still yeah. sits deeply in your emotional heart. Um, it's almost as, to the world, it's almost as if it didn't happen. Um, to the hospital management, it's almost as if it didn't happen. To, to us as nurses, it happened. And, but people don't talk about it. Even we don't talk about it. I mean, I, I'm still going back to ICU in a way that feels where I can get, where I can get some closure is talking to the people that were there. But nobody talks. Yeah. Sure. So. And yeah. the little bit of talking that you've done this afternoon has obviously been very difficult for you. No, but, but it's been it's been so too. powerful to listen to. So, yeah. Thank you both very, very much. That is Nurse Roseanne Turner and uh, Nursing Professor Sidney Kutsia. And the book is called, In Our Own Words, Nurses on the Frontline. It is so powerful. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of PageCast. We have an incredible lineup of author interviews, so head over to our Facebook and Instagram and follow Jonathan Ball Publishers to stay updated and in the know regarding future episodes. Thanks for your interest in the story behind the story. Happy reading from everyone at PageCast.